Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at banyan.com. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special Banyan Books event. We have today as our honored guest, Julia Cameron. And Julia will be in conversation with her longtime publisher, friend, and as she said last time they were on the program, he's like a muse, and they've known each other for over 25 years. A little bit about Julia's friend and publisher, Joel, who will be in conversation with her today. Joel Fotinos is a publisher, author, and minister. He's the founder, vice president, and editorial director of St. Martin's Essentials, the successful new body, mind, spirit imprint of the St. Martin's Publishing Group. Fotinos has also written many books and narrated more than a dozen audiobooks. New Thought has been a passion for Joel, and he has been called the most successful publisher of New Thought books in publishing history because of his extensive publishing in this area. As you know, Joel will be interviewing today's featured guest, Julia Cameron. Julia Cameron changed the way the world thinks about creativity when she first published The Artist's Way 30 years ago. Hailed by the New York Times as the queen of change, she is credited with starting a movement in 1992 that has brought creativity into the mainstream conversation in the arts, in business, and in everyday life. Julia is a poet, songwriter, filmmaker, and playwright commonly referred to as the godmother or high priestess of creativity. Her tools are based in practice, not theory, and she considers herself the floor sample of her own toolkit. Miss Cameron is the best-selling author of more than 40 books of fiction and nonfiction, including Right to Write, The Vein of Gold, Prosperous Heart, and The Listening Path. Her now classic book, The Artist's Way, has been translated into 40 languages and sold over 5 million copies to date. Today, Julia Cameron is with Banyan Books speaking with Joel Fotinos about her latest book, Seeking Wisdom, A Spiritual Path to Creative Connection. In Seeking Wisdom, Cameron turns her attention to creative prayer, which she believes is a key facet of the creative life. Through a six-week Artist's Way program, 
Cameron shares a mindful collection of prayer practices that open our creative souls. This path takes us beyond traditional religious rituals, welcoming readers regardless of their beliefs and backgrounds. Seeking wisdom issues an invitation to step further into exciting creative practice. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest and her work, please visit her website, juliacameronlive.com. Banyan Books community, please join me in a warm welcome for Julia Cameron in conversation with Joel Fotinos. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm excited to, to share the tools of the new book. Uh, and I want to start off uh, with a poem uh, that uh, was born of bliss, not of pain. I think frequently we think creativity is something that comes to us uh, through the school of hard knocks. Uh, and my experience with creativity is that it can come to us through glee, bliss, joy, happiness. Uh, and um, so I'm going to read you this poem, which you can think of as being sort of the, the seedbed of the new book. But before we do any of that, uh, I'd like us to count to three. Uh, and uh, at the count of three, I'd like you to set an intention that we have a wonderful class today. So um, one, two, three. Now set your intention for us to have a wonderful class. Thank you. Okay, and now I'm reading you, Jerusalem is walking in this world. This is a poem born of bliss. This is a great happiness. The air is silk. There's milk in the looks that come from strangers. I could not be happier if I were bread and you could eat me. Joy is dangerous. It fills me with secrets. Yes, kisses in my veins. The pains I take to hide myself are sheer as glass. Surely this will pass. The wind, like kisses. The music in the soup. The group of trees laughing as I say their names. It is all Hosanna. It is all prayer. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Jerusalem is walking in this world. So believing that Jerusalem is walking in this world. I wrote a book called Seeking Wisdom. Uh, and Joel has been my muse for many years. Uh, and um, I, I was praying 
for guidance about what to write next. Uh, and I heard prayer and I thought, oh dear God, no, not prayer. I'm not holy enough to write about prayer. It's, that belongs to somebody more spiritual. And then I wrote again, really? Prayer? Question mark. <laughs> uh, and I heard prayer is a worthy topic. You are a worthy writer. You'll write well on prayer. Don't doubt yourself. So I thought, don't doubt myself. Well, I think I don't want to come across as speaking down to people from some pedestal. So I thought, okay, I um, I will begin by telling my own prayer story uh, and maybe that will make people more comfortable. So it's January 25th, 1978. It's four o'clock in the morning. I wake up from a deep sleep. I reach for the bottle that I keep by my bed to drink myself alcoholically back to sleep. <clears throat> and the bottle is empty. And I think, oh my God, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. Without alcohol, I can't go back to sleep. So <clears throat> I jolted out of bed and I went padding down the stairs into my living room uh, and I thought I don't know what to do the liquor store doesn't open for hours and then I had an idea call someone on the east coast it's later there it's a decent time there so I dialed the number for my girlfriend Claudia uh, and when Claudia answered, I blurted out, Claudia, what am I going to do? And I thought I was talking about my divorce. My husband had walked out on me four days before saying, Julia, this isn't going to work. And by this, I knew he meant my drinking. Uh, and uh, he hated my drinking. Uh, and... I hated sobriety, so we were sort of at the loggerheads. Uh, and uh, when I said, Claudia, what am I going to do? I, I thought I was talking about my divorce, but Claudia had had an alcoholic father and she was familiar with booze-fueled phone calls. Uh, and she thought I was talking about my drinking. Uh, and she said, Julia, I'll call you right back. And she hung up on me. And I thought, oh, dear God, I've alienated even Claudia. <laughs> uh, and um, But the phone rang a minute later, and it was Claudia. And instead of her warm, friendly voice, she had a chilly voice. Uh, and she said, Julia, this is the number for Susan. Susan is an alcoholic. She'll want to talk to you. I think you need to talk to another alcoholic. And I said, Claudia, you don't really think I'm an alcoholic. And this, despite the fact that I was coming out of a five-day blackout, that I had been drinking around the clock, that I 
couldn't seem to function without a drink in me. Uh, and um, so I said, it's all right. I'll call her defiantly. Uh, and um, I picked up the phone uh, and I dialed the number for Susan. And when Susan answered, I blurted out, I think I might be an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm definitely a screenwriter. I was trying to hold on to a little prestige. Uh, and um, she said, well, I have a friend named Edie uh, and Edie will want to come talk to you. Can you stop drinking until Edie gets there? And I thought, well, of course I can. The liquor store is not even open. So I said, yes, I can stay sober till Edie gets here. And Edie came over. And Edie was a little red-haired character actress. And she said, hi, I'm Edie. I'm an alcoholic. And I thought, oh, Christ, this is just the sort of person I would get drunk at. Uh, and so what happened was Edie didn't talk to me about my drinking. She talked to me about her drinking. Uh, and she told me her story. Uh, and I identified. And she said, now, I think tonight you should go to a gathering of alcoholics. I'll babysit you until then. And so Edie sort of settled in making herself comfortable. And I was uncomfortable having her there. Uh, and um, the liquor store opened. But with Edie there guarding me, I couldn't call for alcohol. So I went that night to a gathering of alcoholics. Uh, and it was uh, rough and tumble. Uh, and uh, the first speaker was a man named Richard, uh, who had gone to 22 rehabs. And they were calling him Crazy Richard, Richard the Poet. The second speaker was a lady who was uh, red-haired. I seem to have a lot of redheads in my story. She was red-haired uh, and she had done nothing but drink uh, and get married. And I heard her story and like Richard's, I thought, it's me. I was identifying with the drinking. Meanwhile, I had a black eye that I had gotten in the middle of the night uh, and I didn't know where it came from. It was a black eye uh, from bumping into furniture, from somebody pasting me. I didn't know, but I did know that I needed to cover it up. So while they were speaking, I would jump up and run to the bathroom and take a tub of makeup and put more makeup on to cover the black eye. And then I would go sit down and then I would think it's showing. And I would jump up and run to the bathroom and put on more makeup. Uh, and so after the, the gathering ended, everybody came rushing over to me uh, and they said, Julia, no more cocaine. They all thought I was racing to the bathroom to do lines of cocaine. 
Uh, and then they said, now, if you want to stay sober, you'll need to pray. Uh, and I said, pray? I have 16 years of Catholic education. That's the greased slide to atheism. I can't pray. And they said, well, if you want to stay sober, you'll need to pray. So I think uh, you must believe in something. And I thought about it. Uh, and I thought, oh, I believe in a line from Dylan Thomas, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. Uh, and I thought that creative energy is something that I could pray to. So they said, get up in the morning and ask it to keep you sober. And at night before you go to bed, thank it for keeping you sober. And I was cynical <laughs> and I said, I suppose we have to do this on our knees. <laughs> and they said, well, we do. And they said, uh, we believe that your higher power can be anything as long as it isn't you. Uh, and so that was how I started to pray. That was a very long story trying to tell you the beginning of the book which is the story of my getting sober and being cornered into prayer. I found myself feeling like, well, what they said to me was, if you're a real alcoholic, there will come a day when you will have no defense against the first drink all of your intellectual knowledge that you shouldn't drink won't mean a thing. And you'll need to have a spiritual defense. So the spiritual defense became my, my guiding light. Uh, and um, I started to pray. Uh, and then I got, I, I sort of woke up. I was a couple weeks sober and I thought, I'm praying and I want to remain a writer. Uh, and I s sort of thought that God was going to strike me a waitress. Uh, and um, what I found was that I needed to have a higher power right through me. This is what they told me. They said, let the higher power right through you. And I said, well, but what if it doesn't want to? <laughs> and they said, just try it. So I started trying to let the higher power write through me. And I would sit down to write and I would say, what do you need me to write? And then I would write what I heard. Uh, and I began to be writing from a spirit of service. Uh, and I found myself feeling useful uh, and I was told if you if you want to stay unblocked you'll need to unblock others and I had a friend named Ed who was a novelist who was blocked uh, and so I called him up and said, here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to let the higher power write through you. Uh, 
and Ed was desperate. Uh, he'd been blocked for so long. So he decided to try it. Uh, and as he tried it, he unblocked. Uh, and then my sister Libby, a painter, told me that she was blocked on her painting. And I said, well, try and let the higher power paint through you. Uh, and she said, oh, that sounds so woo-woo. <laughs> and I said, well, it may sound woo-woo, but it might work. So Libby started praying to let the higher power paint through her. And sure enough, she began to paint brilliantly. So I realized I was on to something. Uh, and I began to write essays uh, about unblocking, about what people could expect. Uh, and those essays in time became the book, The Artist's Way. Julia? Yes. Hi, I'm jumping in because I just wanted to note the fact that this year is the 30th anniversary of The Artist's Way, which is pretty amazing. 30 years ago, could you have imagined that not only would it sell 5 million copies, but it will continue, it continues to sell, continues to be on different bestseller lists. Yes, it is pretty exciting. Uh, during the pandemic, when people were shut down and forced to look at their own inner resources, uh, the artist's way took off uh, and uh, it climbed all the way up to number three on the bestseller list in Los Angeles. Uh, and I think um, Los Angeles is probably the, the city with the most blocked artists. Uh, and um, so I want to talk a little bit uh, uh, about the shape of the book that I, it began with my sobriety story. Uh, so you'll, you'll hear that prayer came to me through coercion that I was cornered into prayer. And then I thought, well, in order to pray, you need to have a friendly God. A lot of us grew up with a God concept that was not friendly. And so I would say, take a sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle, and on the left-hand side of the line, list the traits that you grew up believing in God. And so we, we find traits like stern, authoritarian, parent-like, vengeful, <laughs> jealous, uh, a, a whole list of, of negatives uh, that came to us because we had a creativity myth that when it was a very nice day in paradise uh, and Eve suddenly reached for an apple from a forbidden tree uh, and then she handed it to Adam and said here sweetheart have a bite it's delicious and Adam was a hopeless codependent so he immediately took a bite 
And then the skies parted and the booming voice said, how dare you? I told you not to eat from that tree. From now on, you'll bear your children in pain and suffering. In fact, the two of you won't even get along. So from that, we learned that God was, was jealous, uh, that God guarded God's prerogatives. Uh, and um, I found myself thinking, writing the book, what if we had a different God concept? What if it was a beautiful day in paradise uh, and all of a sudden Eve decided to eat the apple from the forbidden tree and she plucked the apple and she offered it to Adam and said, here, sweetie, have a bite, the temptress. Uh, and uh, she, Adam took a bite uh, and then all of a sudden the skies parted and a booming voice said, far out, took you long enough. I made that apple red for a reason. From now on, you will bear your children in bliss and gratitude. You'll be deeply in love. All will go well. And when you reach for a goal, just like when Eve reached for the apple, I will support you. I will encourage you. I will help you. I will give you everything you need for your projects. So imagine if we had had that kind of God, how much easier it would have been to pray. Julie, after that, you lead people, since this is a six week program, you lead people week by week after the God concept into the three different forms of prayer, types of prayer. Do you want to share what those three types are? Well, I would love to. So the first prayer is called a prayer of petition or otherwise known as a Santa Claus prayer. Uh, and it's where you approach God and you ask for a favor or a boon. Dear God, please give me X. And what happens when you say a prayer of petition uh, is that you're humbly standing before your maker saying, you're all powerful. Please give me my request. Uh, and the answer comes back, yes. Or no. <laughs> or not now. And if it comes back no or not now, you, you need to exercise your little spiritual muscles and say, well, God does perhaps know best. God has the long view. So the second form of prayer is a prayer of gratitude. Uh, and this is very personal. Uh, and it's, it's a list of things in your life, in your current life, that you're grateful for. Uh, and it can range from the petty uh, to the profound. 
So your list might go, I'm grateful for my curly hair. I'm grateful for my big blue eyes. I'm grateful for my snug house. I'm grateful for my little dog, Lily. I'm grateful for my friendships. So it's, it's a list of personal gratitudes. Uh, and what happens when you say prayers of gratitude is that your mood elevates uh, and you can move yourself out of depression into hope and optimism. Uh, and I think uh, this is something we all desire. We all desire a way to change our moods if our moods are dark. And the way to change our moods if our moods are dark are prayers of gratitude. The third form of prayer is what I call the wow God prayer. It's a prayer of praise uh, and it's a prayer where you acknowledge the majesty of the higher power. So it might be like, wow, God, the moon is beautiful tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Or, wow, God, the Grand Canyon is huge. So you, you list things that cause you awe. Uh, and they don't have to be just God-made. They can also be man-made. So you can say, wow, look at the Empire State Building. That took some real uh, ingenuity. So the, the prayers of praise are, are prayers of enthusiasm. So and then after you lead people, the readers, through uh, the three types of prayer, then you go into the connection between spirituality and creativity. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I think uh, that we often think that spirituality and creativity are two different things, far separated. Uh, and my experience has been that they are so closely intertwined that they can seem identical. Uh, and we often think we need to sort of flog ourselves forward uh, into creativity. Uh, and what I have found is that flogging into creativity doesn't necessarily work, but coaxing forward into creativity works. So when we do the chapter on creativity and spirituality, we look at, can I find five ways to pamper myself? Can I find 25 things that I absolutely love? Uh, and as we move into those lists, uh, we find ourselves expanding. Uh, and I think, uh, I wanna say 
that morning pages, which we haven't talked about yet, uh, I should say, when we set up the book, we did, we did four tools, morning pages, three pages of longhand morning writing, a nightmare, uh, morning pages, artist dates, a solo expedition once a week to do something fun, walking, two 20-minute walks a week to just put ourselves in touch with our environment uh, and with the benevolent something uh, that is overarching us. Uh, and the fourth tool, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more in depth about, guidance, uh, which is asking, can I have help about X? Uh, and the listening for a response. The, um, let's talk a little bit about this fourth tool guidance. We can answer some questions about the other tools as well, but guidance is so um, interesting because you've said to me that guidance was really always there in the artist's way. Um, but this is the first time in this book that it's emerging as one of the main, main basic tools so can you tell us a little bit more about how to do guidance and how it's different from the other tools? Well, all right. When I wrote The Artist's Way, at the end of the section on morning pages, I said, now you might want to write LJ for little Julie or little Joel. Uh, what can I hear about X? Uh, and then you listen and hear what you what you can hear about X and you write it down. Uh, and then I wrote 40 books uh, and I didn't talk about guidance uh, and I was using it constantly. Uh, it was it was so constant uh, that it was invisible to me. Uh, and um, so people say, well, why are you writing about it now? And it's because I, I felt like if I didn't write about it, I was depriving my readers of a source of support that was invaluable to me. So, uh, so I ask you to write morning pages and then I suggest that right after you finish morning pages, you ask for guidance. Can I hear guidance about X? And you name an issue that's important to you. Uh, and then you listen uh, and write down what you hear. Uh, and what I have found uh, is that guidance is very responsive in other words, when you say, can I have guidance about X? You will hear guidance about X. Uh, and it's straightforward and it's genuine uh, and it's gracious and it's kind and it's optimistic. 
uh, and it gives you a path forward with benevolence and optimism. So after the morning pages, you literally dear LJ for little Julia or little LJ, little Joel or whatever name you want. And I and you just start writing what comes through you. Yes, and what you will find uh, is that writing does come through you. Uh, I think people sometimes think guidance is something difficult and unnatural uh, and hard to fathom. Uh, and what I have found is that guidance is natural and normal. Uh, and that it comes to you easily. So I ask you to, to please try writing guidance. Uh, and guidance takes practice. Uh, and uh, so I think we might have some questions about guidance. Yeah, well, one of the questions uh, that I was going to bring up was when you've talked about guidance before, you've talked about it almost like a dialogue. So it's not just one letter. You can ask questions or, or have a conversation almost, right? Yes, you can. Um, have you always trusted the guidance or did you have to learn to trust the guidance? I haven't always trusted the guidance, particularly if it's extremely positive. Uh, I find myself thinking, that's too good to be true. Uh, and I've had to learn to trust guidance. Uh, and um, like I said, guidance takes a little bit of practice. What if you feel like uh, what guidance has said is something that you don't want to do? I'm reading one of the questions here um, from one of the viewers, and they're saying that they have a situation following guidance, but now it feels like they're in a difficult situation, so they're wondering if the guidance has failed them. Well, I don't think the guidance fails us, but I think that sometimes uh, the first time you hear something, it can seem a little bit obscure. Uh, and then I find uh, if you ask it again and it repeats itself, uh, that it's becoming clear. Uh, and um, I don't think the guidance fails us. I, I think it's more likely that we fail guidance. And can guidance be about both big things and small things? Yes, anything can be about anything, from the large to the small. How, how often should people write guidance? Is this daily after their morning pages or once a week or whenever they want? I suggest trying it daily. Uh, and um, you can do it more than once a day if you want. Uh, and if you do it uh, only once a week, be prepared for a substantial download. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, a question here. How do you know if the guidance is real? Could it just be your mind tricking you to give you an outcome that you simply desire? Well, I, I think if, if the, so the question is, what if it's my imagination? Basically. I think uh, that if it is just your imagination, your imagination is much more powerful, potent, encouraging uh, than you had previously thought. So it's, it's okay if when you write guidance, you think, oh, this is just a figment of my mind. Uh, if it's a figment of your mind, it's still overwhelmingly positive. Um, somebody here has written the question, can guidance be used with meditation? Can those two be used together? I think the answer is yes. Um, I, I think uh, that guidance is frequently what you would hear in meditation. Uh, and I, I think uh, if you do morning pages and then do guidance uh, and then third do meditation, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of homework for one morning. Uh, and so uh, I would frequently, this is just speaking for myself, uh, I would frequently stop after guidance. Um, somebody asked, is this process of guidance a form of automatic writing? I wanna say sure. Okay. Um, somebody says the book has been described as a tool for sobriety, but it sounds like it's more. Would you agree with that? Well, I think of it, uh, the, starting with the sobriety story uh, does say to people, oh, you might want to get sober. Uh, and um, I think uh, that it puts us in touch with a higher power. Uh, and so it doesn't limit itself to only alcoholics need apply. Uh, it's something uh, where prayer is available to anyone and everyone. Um, there, uh, this person writes, there was one other guidance exercise in the artist's way where you say, write a question with your dominant hand, then switch the pen to your non-dominant hand and let it write an answer. This person says, I did that about being a writer, but the answer was so positive that I didn't trust it. Well, I think, Frequently, when the answers are positive, we don't trust it. Uh, and um, it's as if we have a ceiling on how much positivity we can encompass. Uh, and so if it comes back to us higher than our ceiling, uh, we, we tend to discount it. 
uh, and we tend to back off from guidance then. Uh, and that holds up until we get too depressed. Uh, and uh, then we find ourselves going back to guidance uh, and this time more willing to believe. This person asks, uh, can guidance provide responses in dreams? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I would tend to say, yes, of course. Uh, but, uh, but I'm not positive. <laughs> Uh, somebody was referring back to when you were talking about the power of our imagination. If, if it is our imagination, how powerful it is. And this person said, Julia, you once said, quote, if fantasy is not allowed to go on the bright side, it goes on the black side. Would you expand on that? I find it's true, but I just need some more information about that. I'm not sure what the, what the question is. I guess the question is, with our imagination, do we focus our imagination towards positivity? That's what I got from the question. Well, I, I think that guidance tends to be positive, tends to point us in a benevolent direction tends to encourage optimism, tends to give us support. Uh, and uh, that's, I guess, all I have to say about that. Right. Um, we have somebody here who has, uses the artist's way in their career. Um, but for brevity, the question is, do you find that the more you pray, the easier it is to be receptive to guidance. Um, I think that's the answer to that is yes, of course. Um, somebody here writes that they're on, uh, this is a little off topic, but they're on week three of the artist's way. And her question is, does it get easier? Uh, okay. Uh, I think yes, it does. Uh, I, I think the artist's way uh, starts out with morning pages and they maybe should be spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G because uh, what, you, what you encounter, first of all, is a considerable amount of grief about the ways you've abandoned yourself. Uh, and as you go further forward, uh, you encounter support about ways you could regard yourself. So I think uh, I think it gets easier. Uh, and I should say uh, my experience is that when you get to week eight or nine, you're tempted to do a U-turn uh, and go go back to the way things were. And then you think, but I can't really do that and you keep going so just be alert week eight or nine 
for the temptation to take a U-turn. Somebody wrote, uh, Julie, you used the word muse. What is one's muse? I think it's, the muse is someone who sparks our creativity, who gives us a sense of our power, uh, who gives us a sense of a positive outcome. And my experience with, with Joel uh, has been that he will express curiosity about an idea of mine. Uh, and his curiosity is the goad that drives me forward. So um, we were at lunch uh, and Joel said to me, so what are you thinking about? And I said, um, listening. And he said, listening? I'd love to hear more about that. And that became the book, The Listening Path. It was in response to Joel's deep curiosity. So um, amuses someone who moves us into our potential. Um, this question, I don't think we have an answer. Uh, seeking wisdom sounds wonderful. Is there any possibility it will be translated into Spanish? And I would just answer that most of Julia's books do get translated all over the world, dozens of languages all over the world. So I would say uh, it probably will. I just don't have information about that right now. Um, this, is an, this is a wonderful observation. They say that guidance sounds like it could be a beautiful resource for those in grief. And I think the answer is yes, it can be. Um, so are, do we have more guidance questions, Joel? Um, I, that's most of the guidance questions. Yeah, that's really most of the guidance questions. Uh, somebody said here is praying for guidance, the type of prayer of petition. But you're not asking them to pray for guidance. You're actually asking them to do guidance. Mm -hmm. um, what if the guidance, I'm just looking at our list of questions. What if the guidance is obscure? You get it and you don't understand what it means. Well, I think then you ask the guidance to repeat itself in clearer language. Uh, and you find uh, that it can be a dialogue where you, you say, can you please be more specific? Can you please be more direct? Uh, and the guidance responds to direction. And that's what you meant about having a, like a dialogue with the guidance. 
Um, Julia, this is a, a great, we're coming closest to the time of, of being done. And this is a really wonderful question. I think that ties into the whole seeking wisdom. Um, they ask, I wonder, I am wondering where you obtained the inspiration for the insight in writing The Artist's Way. And you write about that in the introduction to Seeking Wisdom. And I'm wondering if you agree that in a sense, this whole um, journey through prayer was really the genesis of The Artist's Way for you personally. It's in a sense, what's in this book, Seeking Wisdom is really the process that you use to create the artist's way. Yes, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think, um, I think the artist's way was uh, inspired, uh, and uh, I, I think uh, I asked for what to write. Uh, can I have guidance about X? Uh, and I heard guidance about X. Uh, and I was led a step at a time. And so people will say to me, well, Julia, do you consider that it was channeled? <laughs> and I, I don't like that word, uh, even though I think I have an experience of having um, become what I would call a conduit for information. All right. I'm curious when you were starting to un help people unblock, was that, I? I've thought about this after we've talked in the past. Was that process, did it kind of like snowball? Because I know that when you begin teaching in New York City, those classes are kind of legendary now, those early classes that you taught. Um, but did it snowball quickly? Well, I, I teach what I've learned. Uh, and so I, I teach experience. Uh, and I, first of all, learned morning pages and artist dates. Uh, and I taught those. Uh, and then I learned uh, a tool called Blasting Through Blocks, which is on page 158 in the book. Uh, and uh, I, I taught blasting through blocks. Uh, and um, I found myself enriched. Uh, there's a wonderful book uh, called Wishcraft, uh, which became a resource for me. Uh, and I, I felt like I was getting led a book at a time, a step at a time. Uh, and um, I have a wonderful mentor, uh, a, a writer named Brenda Euland. And she said, 
pretend that you are an incandescent power being talked to by God and his messengers. Uh, and I, I thought, oh, I guess I can have confidence then in what I'm writing. And people are, can I ask, Brenda Euland, Euland is spelled U-E-L-A-N-D, and she's famous for a book called If You Want to Write. Um, Julia, there are some questions about, the, about guidance. Do you always write guidance or do you sometimes sit and listen for guidance? That, that answers about three questions that we've got. Well, I always write it. Um, because I want to be able to go back and reread it. Uh, so I ask for guidance about X and then I listen and I write down guidance about X. Uh, and then later on, uh, when I'm sort of retracing my steps, uh, I, I find the guidance reassuring and a worthy path. Um, somebody asked about the book. It's not witchcraft, it's wish, W-I-S-H, craft. And I think, believe it's by Barbara Schur, S-H-E-R. Right. Um, anytime you mention anything, there's like six questions that'll pop up. Uh, there's lots of questions for those of you who are asking. Uh, there's lots of questions that you can't see uh, that we're trying to get to as many as we can. They're wonderful questions too. Um, this question, this person just has a comment, Julia, that I'd like you to hear. She says, thank you so much. This session today is exactly what I needed. I learned about certified community teaching artists from someone in the q and I prayed a lot. I'm taking away, can I hear guidance about X? You are wonderful and I am grateful for what you have given me today and throughout my life. This okay. is, the artist way is 30 years. Um, what does that mean for you the, to think about with 30 years? This is a great wrap-up question because we're at the end of our session. Well, I'm delighted that it has been a support. Uh, and I am delighted uh, to hear that people are continuing to use it. Uh, and I feel like uh, it stands largely the way it was written. I would make one change, which is in the artist's way, I talk about reading deprivation. Now I would call it media deprivation uh, because we have the internet uh, and uh, so many people spending time on social media. Uh, and so I would say, stop. Stop putting in other people's input. So that's, that's the one change I would make. It's amazing how, uh, how absolutely authentic and wonderful the artist way is to this very day. We need it more now than ever. Um, and I think with the new book, Seeking Wisdom, I find as somebody who has read, used, and been part of your life for all these years, that Seeking Wisdom is a wonderful book for people who have done the artist's way and think, what, what should I do next? 
It's also wonderful for people who are just brand new to all of this because you go through all the, the tools right at the beginning of the book. Um, so it's wonderful. And did you want to read a poem to end or say anything in, uh, to close us out? I'd like to read a poem. And just a reminder that Julia's poetry that she reads can be found on her website for free. You can just go on her website, juliacameronlive.com, and then click on the button that says Julia's Art, and you will find just the most wonderful, uh, there's musicals, there's poems, there's uh, plays, there's songs. It's just filled. It's a, if, if you're looking to do an artist date, this is the perfect artist date to do. So I just wanted to let people know where they can find these poems that you're reading, Julia. Thank you. This is called Unprepared. And it's a poem again about bliss. I'm not prepared for this. I can't pronounce this bliss. The way we flow, the knowing where to go, this ebb and flow. Can't we take it slow? Where are the walls, the shadows in the halls? This light, can it be right? Where does it come from? I've known a different sun, walked a different earth where air was used for grieving. I think we're leaving. Before we met, I knew your face from stars and stones. I knew your name from wind and grasses. Before we met, the red earth held my heart. The sky cradled my dreams. The forest floor was my green bed. These were what I wed before we met. Now that you are here, I'm wed to galaxies. Our sky does not contain me. Our sun is a candle to what I see. Sheer as a cliff, the walls drop away. So I want to thank you all for coming out uh, and um, hope that the questions and answers served you uh, and uh, hope that you'll be curious enough to read Seeking Wisdom. Uh, I often feel like I write better than I speak. So if I've enticed you at all, uh, that would be a good thing. And I want to thank Joel for joining me. Uh, and I want to thank Banyan Books for hosting us. Uh, and I want to say, ah, do morning pages. They will lead you forward. Lots of love. Thank you so much, Julia Camera, Cameron and Joel Fatinos on behalf of Banyan Books and a huge thank you to the Banyan community. It's so wonderful to have all these people here for these live events. Thank you for coming and for submitting your wonderful questions. 
A big thanks to Jacob Steele, who produces the Banyan podcast and curates all of the Banyan events. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. And again, Julia Cameron, so such a treat, a real treat to have you here with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. It was a treat to be here. Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Our podcast producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. And I'm your host, Ross McKeechee. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com.